You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Well, good morning and a happy new year. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5, glad to have you with us today. I know many of you were up late last night and may have been challenging to get here this morning, so thank you for making the effort to gather with us today. Exodus chapter 5 is where we're at today. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know that um, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we've been looking at the discussions that Moses had with uh, Yahweh at the burning bush and just the instructions that were being given. Here's what you're going to go do. Here's how I'm going to use you to rescue my people. And we saw all the hesitations that Moses had within that, uh, all the excuses that he offered and how God answered each one of those and reaffirmed his purposes. And then last week, as we celebrated Christmas, we looked at specifically the end of chapter 4, where Moses and Aaron show up and they relay the information to the people. The people understand that God has a desire to visit them, to pay attention to them, to rescue them. And so we tied that into what we understand from uh, Jesus coming 2,000 years ago to visit us and to rescue us and to make our salvation possible as well. And we saw the people worshiping, believing as they wait on their deliverance, um, which ushers us into uh, chapter 5. And so I want to read to you the entire chapter as we're going to look at all of it in its entirety today. So Exodus chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work. Your daily task each day is when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble, 
when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why do you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Our summary sentence for today as we look to the new year, 2023. If you don't know the Lord, then you won't trust the Lord when his plans seem to be failing. But if you will expect trials to come, and expect him to be working faithfully in those troubles, you will find all the help you need in 2023. For our kids, knowing God helps us trust him when he's hard to find. If you don't know the Lord, then you won't trust the Lord when his plans seem to be failing. But if you will expect trials to come and expect him to be working faithfully in those trials, you will find all the help you need in 2023. Everything's going according to plan so far from both God's perspective and Moses's perspective prior to chapter five, right? We talked about how Aaron showed up just as God had promised. Aaron was willing to help just as God had promised. The people, particularly the elders, the leader of the Hebrews, listened to Moses and Aaron when they came and told them everything that God had said. Right? So the elders are responding. The people are responding. There's worship and belief taking place. Everything's going according to plan. The promise of the Exodus given to Abraham back in Genesis, it's starting to come true. The people are believing, they're worshiping, and they're waiting anxiously for God's deliverance. So Moses and Aaron, as we come into chapter 5, they approach Pharaoh with confidence. They believe that God had met with them. They believe God was on their side. And then we get into chapter 5. And here's the important thing to note. Everything continues according to God's plan, but it starts to deviate from the plans of Moses in his mind, right? As we get into chapter five, things start to take a turn for the worse, right? Like things aren't going in in the terms of a human successfully, right? So from the human perspective, this is not how you would want things to go. Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. Pharaoh quickly dismisses the God of the Hebrews. He's not interested in what he wants the people of Israel to do, right? So he dismisses it. He makes the work harder. He reacts and responds in a way where now the people are further from deliverance than they were previously, right? This is not According to Moses' plan, as we see towards the end of this chapter, Moses is crying out to God, why are you doing evil to the people? Why are you not delivering them as you promised? But this is all part of God's plan. Moses obeys. He goes before Pharaoh's instructed. He experiences rejection, the exact rejection that God promised him he would experience, right? So you go back to where we were not that long ago in chapter 3 and 4. God told him, you're going to do this. You're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to talk to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened and Pharaoh's not going to let the people go. This is exactly what God said was going to happen. But Moses spirals into despair based on the punishment that's applied to the people, based on the reaction the people have towards him and his efforts to lead them out, right? Pharaoh says, no, the work becomes harder. Israel looks to him and says, you're, you're responsible for this, Moses, Remember back when he was in Egypt 40 years ago, 
He tries to lead the Israelites out and they reject him because he's a murderer. He killed the Egyptian taskmaster and they won't follow him. So it's kind of like all these bad memories are coming back for Moses now, right? Like here I am again, 40 years later, I'm trying to lead the people of Israel out and they're rejecting me. They're not interested in listening to God because his worst fears are coming true. Now, what we see here in chapter five is a major theme or a major question, and it is, who is Yahweh? Who is this God of the Hebrews? And really, who does Israel belong to? Do they belong to this God or do they belong to Pharaoh? And what we're seeing here is that God is setting this stage of a war between himself and Pharaoh. And Israel's the prize. Israel's the prize. Like whoever wins this war gets Israel. Pharaoh thinks they belong to him. Yahweh says, no, they belong to me. They're my people. You will let them go. They will come worship me. Pharaoh says, I will not. Right? So there's this war that's brewing. And the prize for the victor of the war is Israel. We'll see how this unfolds in the coming chapters. But let's look at our notes today. Number one, be knowing the revealed Lord. Be knowing the revealed Lord. As we go into 2023, it's so important that we as believers continue to increase our knowledge of what we know about God. It's the knowledge of him and how he has chosen to reveal himself that sustains us as we come into this new year. Number one, knowing his identity is crucial to sustaining us. Knowing his identity. There's an identity issue that takes place here at the beginning of chapter five with Pharaoh. As Moses and Aaron show up, they say, thus says the Lord. And you'll note there the Lord, the word Lord is in all caps because it's the, it's the word for Yahweh, the, the proper name for God here. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But verse 2, Pharaoh says, who is this Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh dismisses God's instructions here on the grounds of not knowing him. Now, it's interesting that he makes this public declaration, I don't know your God, because God hears that very clearly and says, you will know me, right? So in the coming chapters now, the plagues, the exodus, all of that is designed to inform Pharaoh, to inform the Egyptians, this is who I am. He will know him by the end of this story. It's also interesting to note that he never considers that the God of the Hebrews may be worth knowing, Right? He says, I don't know this God, but he doesn't indicate any desire to know him. Right? There doesn't seem to be any value in his mind of, hey, let me ask some questions about this God. Let me see who this God is to see if he's worth obeying. There's no discussion there. He just quickly dismisses him as, I don't know him. Now, there's still much to be known about the Lord at this time, but he is about to show himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who cares for his people. It's the concept, and we'll see this as we continue to work through Exodus. God is going to continually make statements about, you will know that I am the Lord. Up to this point, he hasn't been saying that. But moving forward, he will continue to tag that on to statements that he's making to Moses, to Pharaoh, to the people. You will know that I am the Lord. It becomes a theme moving forward. For Israel, in chapter 6, verse 7, look what it says. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Israel's going to know who this God is, but then Egypt will know him as well. Verse, chapter 7, verse 5. 
The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Keep in mind, we're, we're way in the future of this, right? So we're New Testament believers. We're post the writing New Testament believers, meaning we've got all of God's revelation contained for us in his holy word. We, we know everything about God that God wants us to know. Think about that for a second. Just ponder that truth. God has told us everything that he wants us to know about him. Right? We're, not, we're not still writing the Bible. Like we know everything that he wants us to know about him. Now, we'll, we'll know him in a fuller, deeper sense when Jesus comes back and we're ushered into eternity. But for the purposes of today, we know everything that he wants us to know. And we know so much more than these people did back in the Old Testament, right? They had a right to say in some ways, we don't know him because God hadn't fully revealed himself yet at this time. He's progressively letting his creation know about him. And this is a huge opportunity for him to do that. Some of the things that we cling to so tightly today as believers is rooted in how he reveals himself in the book of Exodus. Just the concepts of salvation and deliverance that we hang our hat on in the New Testament, Jesus dying on the cross, and it's rooted in our understanding of the Passover in Exodus. It's rooted in the idea of that spotless lamb that was needed for our salvation. And God's revealing himself here. He wants to make himself known Pharaoh says, I don't know this God. We need to know this God. His identity sustains us. The promises that he makes, the ways that he works and moves, his character. His character is what we have to cling to in 2023. Number two, we know his authority. Knowing his authority is crucial to motivating us. His identity sustains us. It keeps us tracking with him. It keeps us tied to him. We're close to him. We're trusting him. His authority motivates us to follow him, believing that he has authority over us. We need to know him, to trust him. Because as we're going to see, at times our plans fail. And it's in the times of failing that we have to come back and trust him more. We have to keep obeying him during those times. We saw the identity issue first with Pharaoh. I don't know this God. The authority issue comes next. He dismisses God's instructions on the grounds of not submitting to Yahweh. He's not going to listen to him. It's interesting to note, Moses and Aaron show up and say, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Here's what God says. Here's what Yahweh commands. Notice the terminology used by Pharaoh when he communicates back to the people in response. In verse 10, so the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh. That's where that war is coming to a head. Thus says the Lord versus thus says Pharaoh. Pharaoh is setting himself up as the deity to listen to. Now, a lot of you know background of Egyptian culture to know that the Pharaoh was depicted in their culture as the physical manifestation of their gods, right? So whoever was Pharaoh was acting as the bodily representation of the gods they worshipped, right? He's the, he's the incarnate deity for them. So when he says, thus says Pharaoh, he is saying, thus says your God, right? You will listen to me, not to the one that Moses is talking to. He never considers that the God of the Hebrews may be worth listening to. He's not worth knowing. He's not worth listening to, according to Pharaoh. Now, here's where God is gracious, Right? Like God could have, God could have struck him dead when he started making statements like this. 
But look how, how God is patient with him and even communicates to him through Moses and Aaron, right? Moses and Aaron make a second appeal, right? It's rejected at first, verse three. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go, All right? And if you don't let us go, look what it says at the end of verse three. Pestilence and the sword may fall upon us. Right? The idea being that if you don't listen, if you don't do something here, death and disease are possible. We know that's possible. We know it's true. Right? As the exodus continues to unfold, the plagues come. Disease and death mount. But God's gracious to communicate those warnings up front to Pharaoh. Right? He's got the opportunity to respond. God's identity and his authority are crucial to sustaining us and motivating us to faithfulness in 2023. We need to be knowing this Lord. We need to be knowing him. He has chosen to reveal himself. We need to be clinging to him through the knowledge that we have of him. Our application from this section, to trust the promises of God you know and obey the commands of God you have been told as your great responsibility in 2023. Whatever um, New Year's goals that you're making. Maybe you've got resolutions that you've already kind of started thinking through. Here's how I want to make changes in this new year. Here's some things that I want to do differently. Here's some goals that I have, some plans that I want to make. Whatever those look like specifically for you, they've got to be tied to this idea. That as we go into this new year, we've got to be trusting the promises that we know and obeying the commands that we have been told. That's our great responsibility. It's our great responsibility every day, every week, every month, and every year to trust him, to obey him, to understand who he is and how he's revealed himself and to respond to that. Trust his promises, obey his commands. What we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks for those that haven't been with us is that God communicates to Moses at the burning bush, trust me, obey me, and know that your obedience isn't going to produce fruit right away, right? Like you're going to go talk to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's going to be hardened. He's not going to listen, and things may get worse for you, right? He tells them that up front, which is super helpful because we see that it's already discouraging when he does tell them up front. Imagine how discouraging it would be if they had no concept that God was warning them about this, right? But he warns them. He says, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard, but you keep trusting me. You keep obeying me because that's your part of the responsibility, These are the things that we have control over, right? We talk a lot here about God's control, his sovereignty, how he is ruling and reigning. But there's choice that we have in the matter, and the choice for us is to trust his promises and to obey his commands. That's our responsibility. We can't control the results of that, right? Like we can't control our circumstances. We can't make our obedience yield fruit. Now, we can trust the promise that if we sow, we will reap, When we reap, we don't know. But the Bible assures us that if we will reap, we will not, we will not fail in, if we we will sow, we will not fail in the reaping part of it. We trust him and we obey him and we trust him with the results of that. Be knowing the revealed Lord. Pharaoh says, I don't want to know him and I don't want to obey him. Our response has to be way different. And for our youth and for our kids, this can be a year where you grow even more in your knowledge of who he is right? You're getting a year older, which means the responsibilities that you should feel about following Jesus increases by one year. Your maturity level is increased. The expectations of following Jesus faithfully increases as well. Every year that you get older, 
You have more of a capacity to know him and to obey him because more responsibility is going to be given to you. Some of you are living in your parents' home right now, and by the end of this year, you won't be because you're going to age out and you're going to move into a different phase of life. And the expectations for following him are going to increase greatly because mom and dad aren't going to be there anymore to kind of hover over you and enforce that. You're going to step out and there's going to be some freedom there. Will I choose to trust him? Will I choose to obey him with that new freedom? Be knowing the revealed Lord. Number two, be anticipating the unexpected. Be anticipating the unexpected. Number one, specific challenges are inevitable if trials are promised. Specific challenges are inevitable if trials are promised. Moses makes the appeal for Israel to be released in order to worship God. Right? That's what he comes appealing to Pharaoh for. God wants to move the Hebrews from slaving for Pharaoh to serving him. The Exodus teaches us that to be saved is to be rescued from slavery. But to be rescued from slavery to serve the living God. Now, Pharaoh's response to that is what? To make the work harder, right? He's like, oh, you guys have extra time to go worship? You can take days off because you're like way ahead of your work? Well, then we need to give you more work, right? Like if you've got this time to really think that it's wise to come ask me for time off, then you must not have enough work. And so he gives them less resources. He gives them the same quota for the brick making, which makes for longer days, right? Work gets harder for them. I think it's also strategic. It's a shrewd move by him because I think what he's trying to do is drive a wedge between Moses and the people, right? Like if there's any type of uprising here, because remember back in chapter one, we said that the Egyptians were aware Israel's growing. They could mount a threat to us. So if that's on the forefront of their thinking, Pharaoh says, we got to drive a wedge right here between the leader of Israel and the people. How do we do that? Well, he came and asked for something. I'm going to make it a lot worse for them. They're going to hate him for coming and asking for this, right? So the days get longer now. Now you've got to find your own straw to make the bricks because the mud and the straw together was important. It was an important ingredient for those bricks to hold together after baking in the sun for them to build these structures that Pharaoh wants. They've got to have the straw. So now the days are longer. You're getting up early. You're staying out later to try to put together the brick amount that you were told to to produce, It's important, too, to see how this Pharaoh, because remember, it's a new Pharaoh. Remember, God said, the Pharaoh that wanted you dead, Moses, has died himself. A new Pharaoh is now here. This Pharaoh now becomes culpable for the sins of the previous Pharaoh. He ups the persecution. He chooses to keep them in bondage, right? It was the Pharaoh before that forgot Joseph that put them in slavery. Now a new Pharaoh, who's just kind of inheriting the problem, But God allows him a way out. Hey, you can let the people go. And he says, no, I'm sticking with what dad or granddad was doing. We're keeping these people in bondage and we're going to make it harder. Now he is at fault. Now he is culpable for the same sins. Note how God oftentimes asks us for the impossible and then provides the resources for us to do it. Think about that. God asked Moses for what seems to be impossible. Go back as an 80-year-old man and, and get my people out of there. Like, that's impossible. 
And then God says, here's the resources to do it, right? Like, I'm going to empower you to talk. I'm going to give you a helper in Aaron. You're going to work miraculous signs. Your staff's going to turn to a snake. Your hand's going to become leprous and non-leprous. We're going to turn the Nile River into blood. You're going to convince them with the signs and wonders that you're going to work. And then I'm going to control Pharaoh's heart, and we will get our people out. I'm asking the impossible, but then I'm going to give you the resources to do it. That's the kind of God we want to serve. But Pharaoh sets himself up as the other God to serve, right? And what does he do? He takes all the resources away and then asks the impossible, right? I'm going to take all your straw away, and then I'm going to tell you to make bricks with no straw. Go find your straw, right? He asks the impossible after taking away the resources. Our God asks us for the impossible and then gives us the resources to do it. We're starting to see how irrational Pharaoh was and what a miracle it's going to take to get Israel released. Why is this the greatest redemptive story prior to Jesus coming on the scene? Because it's an impossible situation. The ruler of the world at that time, Pharaoh, has a group of people in bondage, and they're not going to be let out. They're not going to be released, right? Like, like it's a hopeless situation, And I think God likes to to create hopeless situations like this to reveal himself in the midst of it because then he gets all the glory for it. Think about how we respond in hopeless situations and the excitement and joy that comes from being rescued out of that, right? Um, Man, for those of you that stayed up last night and watched the football game, right? Hopeless situation, like Georgia has lost that game and then all of a sudden we win the game, right? Like hopeless to celebration, Think about what uh, God says about the rescue of his people in Exodus chapter 19. We've got a sports analogy and I've got a fantasy analogy coming for you. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. He talks to the children of Israel here. This is after he has rescued them. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, I can't help but think that Tolkien was thinking about this passage as he was writing Lord of the Rings. When he put the fellowship, when he put the, 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 the hobbits in a position where, hey, it's hopeless. Like we're done for. Like the orcs and the goblins and whatever are closing in on us. Like we can't find victory. And then lo and behold, the eagles come swooping out of the sky and save them. Right? Like that's the picture that God gives to his people here. He's like, you were done for. It was hopeless. Like Pharaoh had you under his thumb and he was never going to let you go. And then I swooped in like an eagle and I rescued you on my wings and saved you. Why? Because I get all the glory for that now. Not Moses, not anybody else. God gets the glory for it. Specific challenges are inevitable if trials are promised, right? God had promised Moses, this is not going to be easy. Then trials were going to come if it wasn't going to be easy. They should have been anticipated and expected. Number two, specific challenges confirm God is not lying to his people. When we experience challenges, it confirms to us that God is not a liar. Moses' worst fears are being realized, right? We saw in chapter 3 and 4, he was worried that he wouldn't get the job done. He was worried that Pharaoh wouldn't listen. He was worried the people would reject him. Notice how Pharaoh refers to the ancient schemes of Satan here. He says in verse 8, But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Verse 9, let heavier work be laid on the men, 
that they may labor at it and pay no attention or pay no regard to lying words. He tells God's people that God has lied to them. He says, I'm going to work you harder, and you're not going to believe Moses. Moses may tell you that your God's going to save you. Absolutely not. He's a liar. It's exactly what Satan tells us, right? It's exactly what he told Adam and Eve. God's a liar. He's not being truthful to you. He's not being honest with you. And that's the same scheme that Pharaoh uses here. He constructs his response in such a way to where the people of Israel are supposed to see God as a liar. And it seemingly is having an effect, right? Because what we see here at the end of the chapter, Moses is crying out and he's saying, God, where are you? You've worked evil for the people. You haven't delivered the people like you said you were going to. Like the question that's kind of hanging there is, are you a liar? Are you, are you not being truthful? But what we should see here, as I kind of shared with you at the very beginning, the plan is still unfolding just as God said it would. Remember, God said, His heart's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy to get the people out. And that's what's happening. The overarching promise was given. Pharaoh won't listen and his heart will be hardened. So why is Moses, why are the people discouraged then? We know, I've already told you, God told Moses this was going to happen, right? He told him, Pharaoh's heart's going to be hard and he's not going to say yes. We know from what we saw last week in chapter four, verse 30, Moses and Aaron told the people everything that God told them. So imagine Moses and Aaron, they come riding into Goshen. All the people of Israel gather around and they're like, hey, the the God that we've heard of, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our forefathers, God, he's back and and he's talking to us again. And and we're being told what's going to happen, right? We're being told what's going to happen. And here's what's going to happen. He's going to rescue us. But if it really means what it says that they told him everything, then in that presentation, they would have said, now it's not going to be easy and Pharaoh's not going to listen at first. His heart's going to be hard, but God's going to save us, right? They told him everything, and the people worshiped, and they believed. And then what happens? Things get hard. Pharaoh doesn't listen, and they're ready to bail, right? Like, where's God at? God's not keeping his promises. Moses and the people fail to appropriately see how general promises would apply specifically to their situation. Let me say that again, because we're guilty of this. Moses and the people fail to appropriately see how general promises would apply specifically to their situation. Here's how we're guilty of it. As we go into this new year, 2023, there's probably not a one of you here that's a believer that would disagree with me when I say God promises trials and tribulations and difficulties for his people. There's too many verses that tell us that, right? Like you can't discount that. We would all affirm that and say, Adam, you're right. Like, like the Bible promises us trials and difficulties and tribulations. But he tells us it's going to work for our faith, right? Like it's going to grow us and strengthen us and produce perseverance. So we can welcome those things. And we'll all affirm that on a Sunday morning. Yep, trials and tribulations, they're coming. This will, this will be no different than any other year. 2023, it's going to have them. But then when they get here, when they get here specifically, then we throw our hands up and we say, what in the world's happening? Like there's trials and tribulations and difficulties here. And it's like, it's like we lose our minds, right? Because we're, we're willing to affirm the general promise. Trials and tribulations and difficulties, they're coming, right? And then we have miscarriages and lost jobs and broken relationships. And we throw our hands up and we say, what is happening right now? Well, those are trials and tribulations and difficulties that God's people are promised. 
But just like, and we'll be critical of Moses here because we read this and we're like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, God just told you from a burning bush that this was going to happen and now it's happening. Did God tell him that the work was going to get harder and the straw was going to be taken and that the people were going to turn to him and blame him? No, he didn't get that specific, did he? No, he said Pharaoh's heart's going to get hardened and he's not going to let the people go. And that's what's happening. But because it now gets specifically applied, now that it's playing out in specifics, Moses is having a hard time taking the general promise and seeing God in it. And we're just as guilty. Let me encourage you as we go into 2023, expect trials and challenges and difficulties and tribulations that are going to grow your faith. And don't throw your hands up and lose your mind when, when they get real specific for you. They're going to get real specific for you, just like they did for the Israelites. Work got harder. God's people got angry. They rejected his leadership. But here's the thing. God's keeping his promises. He's keeping the promises of blessing and the promises of trial. I need this God to be right. I need this God to not be lying to me. And he's a liar. He's a liar if trials and tribulations don't come my way. Because he's promised them. He's promised challenge to me, and he's promised to grow my faith through it. All of us here, I think, would affirm, too, we want greater faith in God. Greater faith in God comes through trials and difficulties. It comes from us trusting him, trusting his promises, obeying his commands in the midst of it. Obedience doesn't always yield the fruit we hope for right away. And sometimes things get worse before better. We can't wonder if we're doing the right thing or question whether God cares just because trials come. For our youth, like, listen to me on this. Because when I say we, I include you in this. We will have the why, Lord, moments, right? Why, Lord, why are you doing this? Moses has that moment in verse 22. Oh, Lord, why have you done this? Why did you send me? Why have you not done this? We're all going to have those moments in 2023. Whether you're an adult or a kid in here, you're going to have moments where things are happening and you're going to be tempted to say, what are you doing, Lord? Why are you doing this? Where are you? We need to be reminded, oh, God promised trials and challenges and difficulties. Here they are. They've shown up. Will I trust him and will I obey him in the midst of it? Following God almost always guarantees spiritual warfare, times of despair and desperation, and plenty of problems. The question isn't, will I face discouragement? But instead, what will I do when I do? One commentator said it this way, and I love this. Where will I go when he doesn't seem like the Almighty and he doesn't seem too fatherly? Let me say that again. Where will I go when he doesn't seem like the Almighty and he doesn't seem too fatherly? There'll be times in 2023 where that's the case. If he's not a liar, we don't believe him to be, then trials and challenges and difficulties are going to come at some point. Now, there's going to be a lot of greatness, I think, in 2023. There's going to be challenges, and there'll be specific challenges. We don't have to freak out and, and, and have our minds blown when they hit. The question will be, where will we run to when they come? The application for us here, expect trouble to come and expect, expect plans to not succeed as you had hoped, but see the Lord as being faithful still in 2023. Expect trouble to come, expect plans to not succeed as you had hoped, but see the Lord as being faithful still in 2023. Lastly, number three, be turning to the right help. 
All right, so what's happened here in our narrative? Moses and Aaron came before Pharaoh. Let my people go, says the Lord. Pharaoh says, nope, not going to happen. I don't know him. I'm not obeying him. Here's what Pharaoh says. Thus says Pharaoh, you're going to make the same amount of bricks without the straw. You're going to have to get the straw to do it yourself because you've got too much time on your hands. You're idle. You're lazy. You think you have time to worship? I'm going to take that time from you. The taskmasters, the foremen, they have to communicate this message. Now, the foremen are most likely Hebrews. So you've got Egyptian taskmasters who kind of have it easy. Their job is just to enforce. The foremen would have been the in-between people, right? Like these are Hebrews that have kind of achieved a position of leadership that are working with the slaves. They're the ones that are getting beaten when the quota doesn't get hit, right? So those of you that are, are kind of the, the at-level worker at your, at your position, Right, so let's say we got several teachers at Trinity. You're your teacher, you're the teacher at Trinity. The principals are getting beaten because you're not meeting the quota. That's who goes before Pharaoh. The principals go before Pharaoh. They go before the, the head of the school and they say, What gives? Right? Like we're getting beaten because the teachers can't do what you've asked them to do, but you've made it impossible for them to do it. That's kind of what's playing out here. The foremen are kind of like, What in the world? That's when they turn their attention to Moses and say, You're at fault. You have made us stinky in the eyes of Pharaoh, right? Like, like this is a stinking mess because of you going before Pharaoh. You're to blame for this. And that's when God turns to the Lord and says, why have you done evil to this people? We need to be turning to the right help. Number one, we cannot abandon our help when time gets tough. We cannot abandon our help when times get tough. These Hebrew foremen, what do they do when things get tough? Verse 15, the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to who? Not to Yahweh, not to Moses. They cried to Pharaoh. They went to the enemy and said, be merciful to us. Think about that. Why do you treat your servants like this? What's what's really interesting is the wordplay that takes place in this passage. If if we knew Hebrew and then understood it, um, the, the words for work and service and worship, like they all come from the same root word. So what you have here is God saying, let my people go so they come work for me. Pharaoh says, I ain't letting them go work for you. They work for me. And then the foreman, the the, the Hebrew foreman show up to Pharaoh and they say, why do you treat your worshipers like this? Right? Like, why are you treating your workers like this? We want to work for you and you're making it impossible for us to work for you. They turn to the enemy for help. They come asking for mercy and relief from the one who's applying the pressure. They cry for easier bondage. They keep themselves under his authority by identifying as his workers, his worshipers. It'd be similar to, and maybe you've got people who you know that would do this. Like they come to faith in Christ, they're following him. And then when pressures happen, they resort to worldly ways of dealing with it, right? They resort to like old ways of dealing with how to cope with life, right? Whether it's self-pity or drugs or alcohol or sexual sin, right? The, the worldly ways of dealing with stress and trials and difficulties. That's what the Hebrews resort to here. They go to the bondage. They go to the slavery and they say, give us relief. Give us relief here. They don't come to Yahweh. They don't come to their spiritual leaders. They go to the enemy and say, help us. We cannot abandon our help when times get tough. Number two, we cannot blame our help when times get tough. Our natural tendency is to blame others for our predicament, right? Moses and Aaron, they blamed, they're blamed by the people for the failure. 
Moses turns around and seemingly blames God. The people turn to Moses and they say, Lord, look on you and judge you because you've made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. You've put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses responds and turns to the Lord and says, oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Now, when we get what we want, we usually celebrate, right? Chapter four, verse 30, they're believing, they're excited. Wow, slavery's gonna end. Let's believe and let's worship. Trials and difficulties come, let's complain. We're gonna see that pattern throughout the Exodus, throughout the time in the, uh, the wilderness leading to the promised land. We have to be careful that we're not guilty of the same thing that we're not just ready to worship God when things are going our way. And then when we don't get what we want, when we don't get it when we want it, and we don't get it how we want it, we start to complain. Instead of turning to Pharaoh and against Moses, they should have been running to spiritual leaders for clear connection with God. Notice what Moses does. He questions God's purposes. You've done evil to this people. He questions God's plan. Why did you send me? And he questions God's promises. You didn't deliver them since I got here. All right? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Man, Moses had like high expectations for the timing of God here. Right? Like Pharaoh's heart's going to be hard, and he's not going to say yes. In the first conversation they have, Moses is like, why didn't he say yes? Right? He was never going to say yes. This isn't God failing. This isn't God's plans falling apart. This is exactly what God planned for. He makes God out to be an evil, promise-breaking, uncaring God. And while we would never want to use that terminology, man, we're so tempted to do that ourselves sometimes. We make God evil in our minds. We make him uncaring because we question him in the midst of challenges and difficulties that he's promised us. He's promised us those things. Now, I think there's an appropriate way to question God about this. We don't complain about the ways and the means of God, but I think he invites us to question him without rebelling against him. We see other examples in scripture where guys like Abraham, Job, David, Jeremiah, even John the Baptist, they all had times of doubt and they all had conversations with the Almighty about those doubts. I think Moses is crossing a line here, though, where he's starting to say, God, you've done evil here, right? You haven't done what you've promised to do here. Now, what we're going to see in chapter 6 next week is that chapter 6 opens not with God giving Moses new information. He just reminds him of what he's already told him. Chapter 6 will open with God reminding Moses of what he already knows but has forgotten and failed to appropriate, just like us, just like we do. We don't don't need new stuff on a Sunday morning. We just need to be reminded of what we already know a lot of times. We just need to be reminded of the promises. Just need to be reminded of what God has already said he's going to do, because we forget. We hear the general promises. We get out here on a Monday morning, and it's like we, we just forget it. We just lose it. Right, some of you parents, you've studied with your kids and you have no idea how your kid can know it the night before a test and then get in there and take the test and it's like, where'd all that information go? Right? That's what happens to us a lot of times. We're here on a Sunday, we're studying together and we're like, yes, 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 I know all these things. Monday morning hits and it's like, I forgot all that. Right? And as we move into 2023, let us not forget. And when we need help, let us run to help. 
Let us run to our Christian believing friends, not away from them. Let us run to our small groups. Let us run to our accountability groups. Let us run to those people who can connect us to Yahweh when we're having a hard time finding him. When we're doubting him and questioning him and wondering, like, what is he doing? We need other people in our life to say, hey, don't forget. Not just your pastor on a Sunday. You need believers in your life who will say, hey, don't forget. We, we know this to be true. We know this to be true. The application here. When things become a stinky mess, fight discouragement and despair by running to the Lord with spiritual supporters in 2023. When things become a stinky mess, fight discouragement and despair by running to the Lord with spiritual supporters in 2023. This is why, this is why church membership is so important and so crucial because it helps believers and spiritual leaders identify who am I supposed to be helping, who am I supposed to be supporting. Right? Like, like believers here in this church need to know who do I need to invest my time in? Who do I need to pour into? Who do I need to be a support system for? Spiritual leaders, elders, and deacons, who am I taking care of? Right? Like, like you need to know who your spiritual support system is going to be in 2023 and find it. And find it because you're going to forget. You're going to forget these promises and you need to be reminded of them. You need people in your life to remind you of them. Here's those three application points again as we wrap up. Number one, trust the promises of God you know and obey the commands of God you've been told as, you, as your great responsibility in 2023. Expect trouble to come and expect plans to not succeed as you had hoped, but see the Lord as being faithful still in 2023. And then number three, when things become a stinky mess, fight discouragement and despair by running to the Lord with spiritual supporters in 2023. I want to close with this thought. Because we're going to fast forward in this story to help us better understand how Moses could have been feeling during this time. How he didn't have to lose hope. Because in Exodus chapter 9, we find out, why is God doing it this way? Why is God doing it this way? Exodus chapter 9, verse 15. For by now, look, 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 let me back up to verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Look what he says in verse 14. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Verse 15. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. He says, Pharaoh, I could have already dealt with this. I could have already killed you. I could have already killed all your people. We could already be on our way to the promised land by now. But here's why we're not. Verse 16, for this purpose, I've raised you up, you and your hardened heart. I've raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Moses and the people, think about this. Because remember, our picture of Exodus, our visual we highlight the word, the, the letters U-S, us in Exodus. Why? Because this is our story too. Think about this. There were a group of Hebrew slaves that had to work harder for a time period. They had to work harder for a time period. They had to find straw to make bricks. Things got harder. Why? Because God wasn't capable of rescuing them? No. He could have killed the, he, he killed the Egyptians as soon as Moses came back. No. He made it harder so that he could reveal himself so that he could be the eagle that came in and saved his people. Why? Because we need to know that God today. 
Those people had to go through hardships so that God could show himself in all of his greatness so that when you leave today and you step foot into wherever you're going tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, you can refer back to that God who rescues his people on eagle's wings, right? We need to know that type of God today and we know that type of God today because he revealed himself as that type of God thousands of years ago. And we can be thankful today that those guys got up and they worked hard those days. They went out and found their straw and they took the beatings when they couldn't make the bricks. Why? God said, I've raised you up like this, Pharaoh. I've raised you up in your hardness and you're making things harder and harder and harder so that when I deliver people thousands of years later, right, dealing with trials and difficulties and challenges, they will see me as a God who delivers. He revealed himself that way. We can trust him in 2023 to be that type of God for us too. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your salvation and your deliverance. We thank you that you are a God who does not lie. We thank you that you are a God who cares. You are not a God who does evil. God, we know that you've promised trials and challenges and difficulties to those who follow you faithfully. God, help us to remember that as we step into a new year. Because everything inside of us from the worldly side of things wants this to be a great year. We're expecting great things. We're setting plans and charting courses. And this is what we're hopeful for in this new year. And there's going to be times where it looks like it's all failing. Even as we try to be obedient to you, as we try to be faithful to you, it's going to feel like we're failing and things aren't working out and things are happening that we didn't anticipate. Lord, help us to remember the overarching promises that trials and challenges and difficulties will come, but you promise to use those to grow our faith. You promise to draw near to us. You promise to keep your presence with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Lord, help us to run to you for help when we need it, not to abandon you. Lord, help us to see your identity, to see your authority as good things in our life and not be dismissive of them like Pharaoh was. Lord, help us to see that sometimes our obedience makes things worse in our life, makes it more challenging and hard. When we try to stand up for the right thing at work, sometimes our employers don't respond well to that. It may even cost us our job. Lord, help us to know that you're still there with us. Help us to see those direct, specific trials as an answer to your promises. But help us to also anticipate the other part of the promise. You'll use it for good in our life. Give us spiritual support systems this year that can help remind us when we forget. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.